0: what we want to talk about is uh, dreams, our dreams, and uh, if you're like me, you've kind of gone through your life with hopes and dreams and ideas about what your future should look like. For some of you, you've always dreamed of going to college, and uh, that, that, that might still be a dream for you. You might even be well into your life, and you're like, you know what, I, I had a dream to finish my degree, and I'm going to do that. For some of you, you've had a dream of retirement, to play golf every day, or whatever retirement is, or to maybe just get away from this one boss that's driving you nuts, and, uh, and you know, you, you want to move from that. For those of us who have kids, well, we have dreams for our kids. You know, I, I look at my own life and think of my own children, and I, I think of my son and my dream to have him become a man of God. That, um, that knows the word and uh, is manifesting in himself the fruit of the spirit, um, a son who's wise and is led by the Holy Spirit, one that uh, is looking for a godly spouse, uh, a son that thinks of others above himself. And uh you know, for my daughters, the same thing we become mighty women of God that find godly husbands that will lead them as as their family moves forward, that their their husbands will uh, invest in them and to, for them to become all all they can do and Then I think about my grandkids, and you know what do I, what do I want for my grandkids for them to find godly spouses and for generations of people led by the Holy Spirit operating in wisdom, not caught up in all kind of Financial mess and all these things, but truly focused on something that God has these are the these are the dreams I have uh, for myself I, I think of our family, just my family and the dreams I have for my my um, my spouse and for my marriage that we wouldn't let little things tie, trip us up that uh, we would be people who um, focus first on our heavenly Father and as our, we have a heavenly father that supplies all our needs and then out of just that richness of the joy and the fruit of the spirit we're operating with our unique gifts and things like that I, I have these i have these dreams i have dreams for a living spring that that i believe god has given me that we'd be a people that isn't um about ourselves that little things don't get you know you hear the stories about the church that was split over the carpet and uh, this and that and you know, my dream for us is that we move forward boldly into this new season, that we wouldn't be frightened of what's coming down the pipe politically or economically or all that, but our focus and our, our, our vision would be on the lordship of Jesus Christ as it manifests itself in our own lives. These are my dreams. And this week as I was going over this, this scripture and getting ready for the sermon, I started thinking, does God have dreams for us? You know, as I think of my own children and I think, man, I I hope they can get over this particular thing or I hope hope that they will step into this reality of the way they were created. Does does God do the same thing? And and here's what I found that was making me uncomfortable about that question, does God have dreams for us, is that it makes God too human. I, I kind of want God to not really have dreams for me. I want him to have a will, a command, a guideline, a set of instructions. A, a, a blueprint, if you will, that that kind of maps itself out. To say God has dreams for me, that that almost makes it sound uh, like He's He's like me. Like if we had God here, like in the chair, okay, and 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 I was like, Hey, God, you know, we, hey, this morning uh, I'm going to be interviewing God for our ministry moment. And uh, so, you know, first, God, um, you're awesome. I just want to get that out, out of the way. I think you're great. Stuff you did in the Old Testament, really cool. Some stuff is a little boring, but that's okay. I haven't taken Pastor Bob's class yet, so we're moving towards that. But great job with the Bible. Great job with Jesus. Love creation. Awesome. So what are your dreams for Living Spring? Could you share those? Like, does God have a, a, a dream for us? Does God have an end game? So I started looking at the scripture and I started seeing what God planned. And what God planned was that he would have a people that were his people and that he would be their God and that he would provide a spot for them, which he called a land flowing with milk and honey. And that he would set up these kind of statutes and laws and that the people would, in worship to him, um, follow these commandments. And that people, that um, other kingdoms, uh, other nations would look and say, what what kind of God is that that has that great a people? What, What kind of God is so wise that he set up these statutes and that these people are following them and they're different? This was God's dream for his people, the nation of Israel, that they would follow him. And from the very beginning, the goal was to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, and with all their strength, and then to love their neighbor as themselves. This was God's dream. And what happened was uh, some things happened and they got, ended up in Egypt as slaves. And so God, in order to kind of get this dream back again, he delivers them from Egypt. And the way he does it is uh, he um, parts the Red Sea. And we all have this, this idea of what that is. You all saw the Disney movie, okay? You kinda, they, he parts the Red Sea, the Israelites go through it, the the bad guys come in and he closes it all up and they end up on the other side and they write this song and it's like, oh, the dream is realized until day after day, the people begin to reject God. And as Bob was talking about in his sermon a a few months ago, God had to go to plan B. And so he, he has them going through the wilderness. He's doing all these kinds of things for them. And they finally get to the spot This is it. This is it. This is the land I was telling you about, and and, and you're going to step in there, and we're going to set up this system of laws, and that tabernacle that's been going around, we're going to put that in there. There's going to be a temple. There's going to be sacrifices. We're going to have it all set up, and they send out the spies, and 10 come back and go, there's no way we can live in God's dream. It's never going to work, and so they reject the dream of God. And two spies were good, and ten were bad, and so the people rebel against God. And they say, we don't accept the dream you have for us. We'd rather go back to Egypt. As a matter of fact, they start talking together about stoning Moses, the Ten Commandments Moses, the guy with the staff, the guy that put it over the Red Sea. They talk about stoning him. And so God says, okay, I'll tell you what we're going to do. All you people... (laughs) We're going to wait for you to die off. Now, that's not part of the capital campaign we're doing. We're not going to wait for a bunch of you to die off so that we can really enter into what God has for you to do. But I started thinking to myself, you know, God, in the Old Testament, we see he's got compassion. He's a jealous God. He gets angry. He, he, he's a loving God. He's merciful. And, and all these things are wrapped up in our Heavenly Father. And so he comes up with this new plan of having them wander around. And in fact, they weren't really wandering. He was directing them all all over the place and involved in their lives through those 40 years. They just couldn't enter the promised land. And then finally, one day, it becomes time. And then he talks to Joshua. And this is where we want to pick up uh, the story. What happens is early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites, they set out to sit on one side of the Jordan, and they're looking at Jericho on the other side of the Jordan. And up till now, all anyone has is a story about the Red Sea. Very few of them actually experienced it. It was a generation ago. It was part of their past. It was part of something that wasn't a reality for them. And so they finally get to this uh, place before they, they, um, and they camp out. And this is what Joshua tells the people. He says, consecrate yourselves. In other words, make yourselves holy. Set yourselves apart. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. I wonder how hard that would have been for them to believe. They've had 40 years of kind of desert life. 40 years of an understanding of their relationship with God and their relationship of being nomads, that all of a sudden in one day they're going to consecrate themselves and the next day God's going to do amazing things among them? I, I wonder how hard that was to believe. But when I think about my own dreams, I think about my own life and just kind of as the life I've lived and the different things I've, I've wished for myself and thought about myself, some of them are hard to believe in the, in the, in the middle of them. I remember my dad, my uncle got into this big fight. They were both alcoholics and they were both drunk and they got to this big brawl and stitches and the police came and all this kind of stuff. I was like nine years old. I wonder for me how hard of a dream that would have been to realize that tomorrow God's going to do great things with my dad. He's going to become a pastor. Like, shut up. My dad's going to become a pastor? Get out of here. That was the dream God had for my dad. Sure enough, he gets healed of alcoholism. He becomes a pastor. You know how hard that would have been for me to believe when they're putting him in the back of a squad car? Really hard. He says, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord's going to do amazing things. And so what he does, he comes up, God comes up with this plan, and what's going to happen is before The generation before, and the way the story played out before was, God just opened up the sea. He just did it for them. Moses just put his staff over, it opened up, and away they went. This time it's going to be a little different. This time he wants them to take the first step. The last dream was of salvation. It was being released from captivity. This dream is the step into maturity to step into the dream that God had originally had in the first place, to become God's people and for Him to be their God in the land that He prepared for them. So this time it was going to be a little different. The waters weren't just going to open up. What was going to happen was the priests were going to take the Ark of the Covenant and they were going to put it on their shoulders and they were going to walk into the Jordan River first. And the Bible's really clear that it's at flood stage at this time. It's not just a little creek. It's at flood stage. It's at the harvest time. And they're going to walk in. And when they finally took those steps and they made it into the water, God was going to begin to cut it off. And another cool thing about this is he tells the people of Israel to stay 2,000 cubits away from the ark, which is 10 football fields. And so... You know, the idea that, that, that the ark went in and they just walked right by it, it was not the deal. The waters get cut off, okay? And the rest of the water keeps flowing because it's a river. And they're 10 football fields away, walking. Watch this. You can read it, okay? So here it is. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage. Awesome. During the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Forty years you're wandering around the wilderness, heard this story about the Red Sea. You've had God do some stuff, but mainly you're just around a bunch of grumbling people. All of a sudden, God says, consecrate yourselves, tomorrow's the day. And all of a sudden, you watch the Jordan River stop. It goes on. It says, It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zareph- There, Go to the class and you'll learn how to say that. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed opposite Jericho. God's beginning to create a new story with his people. It's similar to the old story. But God's beginning to realize this dream of having a people that are his, and they call him their God. And so he stops the water to do it. He performs this miracle and goes on. The Lord said, Choose 12 men from among the people one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, right from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So here's what happens. Joshua gets 12 guys. They're allowed to go close to the ark. And they walk over there, and they pick up these 12 stones that were once in the middle of a river. And they pick it up, they put it on their shoulder and they take it to where the camp is. And you know why God has them do that? The only reason is so that they can tell their story. He says, anytime you see those 12 stones, I want you to tell your kids, there was one day when God stopped the Jordan River from flowing. And we went in and we took a new step into what it means to be the people of God. We stepped into this new land together. Together. And that's what it's there for. They end up moving that stack uh, to another, another town. But that, that's what, and it, it's cool because in the Bible, the Bible's so great because it's historical. It adds all these little kind of um, uh, facts in there that sometimes we don't even know what they are. But if you were the original readers of this, you'd go, oh, yeah, that's, that's why. It says that, that they're still there to this day. I, we read that and they're, they're probably not there anymore. Or maybe they're somewhere else. But that, think about this God. In his creation, created 12 stones to be at the bottom of the Jordan River because one day that dream was going to be realized of God's people possessing the land that he wanted them to possess so that he could be their God and that they could be their people. So watch what happens. Now the priest who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people just as Moses directed Joshua. Now listen to this. I love this. This, will, this is what Bob will teach you in the class, to slow down. The people hurried over. Wouldn't, wouldn't you? Like, wouldn't you kind of want to get across as fast as possible? Like, because here's what happens. It says, it says the, the, wa- the water was walled up. And so when you're walking 10 football fields away and you're looking at somehow there's this huge wall of water and you remember the first story. Where we crossed across, Yeah. Wait. But then there were some people that the water actually consumed, right? Yeah. Those were the Egyptians, though, right? I think so. You know, um, hey, honey, forget about your makeup. Come on, we're going. You know, it's like... It's like hurrying across because there's something in the back of their minds, I'm sure, that went, I really hope God's dream and God's story includes me on the other side of this river and not like later on the lazy ones who were slothful, got swept away by the Jordan. You you don't know the end of the story when you're walking across the Jordan. You don't know how it's all going to play out. All you know is this, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, God's going to do amazing things among you. And you know God's heart. He wants to have a people of his own that live according to his standards, to his statutes, to his laws that says, one day people are going to look and say, who is this wise God? And who are these people that live this way? And so they hurry over. And as soon as all of them had crossed, so they they make, you know, whew, they make it. They were probably waiting for one, one person, you know, who had all their stuff. Like you see at the airport, the person with like 27 bags. The Ark of the Lord and the priest came over on the other side while the people watched. It says in the Bible, no sooner had their feet touched the dry ground that the water kept go- was gone. What a day. What a day. I mean, that must have been awesome. So they get over to the other side, and um, it's just amazing. They they have Passover, which was the first meal they took before they left uh, Egypt. They have Passover, and the day after they have Passover, the manna stops. It's a new story. It's a a new reality. It's a a new thing now. The manna's gone, and they eat produce, and they eat stuff from the land of Canaan. They've entered into what God wanted for them. The manna stops the day after and they ate the, from the land. And... Then later on in chapter 5, this amazing thing happens. I don't want us to miss this. And Joshua is near Jericho and he looks up and he sees this man. It's standing in front of him. He's got a sword in his hand. And Joshua asks him this question. Are you for us or are you against us? Here's, here's what he says. I'm going to skip through these other ones here. Because I want us to see this. You for us or against us? I love the New American Standard in this because Joshua asked this question. Are you for us or are you against us? And in New American Standard, it says no. (laughs) That's what it says. But in this one, it says neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. And he asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? and I think this is the question he has for all of us. I mean, isn't this really what we want to know when we think about our dreams? Like, God, what? what give me something. Give me a message. Give me a plan. Give me a blueprint. Like, like tell me, like, I really, want a, I really want a godly spouse. Could you give me the three steps to a godly spouse? Could I get, can I get eight ways to make it to retirement? Can I go to something that, can you give me something so that I, that my dreams can be realized? Can you throw me a bone? Can you, can, what, what do you got for me? You're not for us. You're not against us. We, we're, we're, we're now here. We're, we're going to take over the land. What are we supposed to do? And I think what Jesus, the captain of the Lord of hosts, says to us today as we begin to step into what God has for us as we enter in our next chapter, the land, if you will, that God has for us as living spring, the new story that he has. I think he's got a new story for us as a people as well. And I think this is what he's saying. The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. See, I think anytime God's at work and we, in faithfulness, would step into the river first before we see God do anything and we take that step, that's holy ground. A- anytime, in your family, if you've got something that's in your household that you're like, look, we gotta get rid of this, and you begin to take those steps of faith to remove that, to bring health, into your home. If you have a relationship and it's troubled, those steps you take to meet God in the middle of that dream that he has for your marriage, for your family, for your job, all that, that's holy ground. And and the how is not nearly as important as the who. That in fact, God is with you. As we move into this next phase at living spring where we have to raise a lot of money the how is not nearly as important as the god which we serve